Jesus Encounter with God time here on The Breakfast Show. We are about to launch into our Bible study before we do. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and Lawson, and Lawson is going to bring you the next question for the quiz. Let's see if you can answer this one. Correct. Here we go. Next question for the quiz. Super short, super simple. Who did Abraham give his tithe to? 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text if you know the answer to that one. If you do, you will go into the draw to win keywords of the Christian faith. I have a feature, and he comes by Rainer Bruins, my three amazing, incredible, awesome books that you will go into the draw to win. But again, that question was, who did Abraham give his tithe to? 0491-064-669. We also want to remind you guys that we do question of the day here on Faith FM, and we would love if you would send us some questions. Again, that number is 0491-064-669. Ask us any question about the Bible, and Lyle will answer it. Uh, uh, yeah. Or Lawson will answer no, it. No, Lyle will. Any, literally any question, Lyle will answer it. Unless Lyle decides to give it to Lawson. Uh, but Lyle will do it. All right. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I think I should give you question of the day today just for that. Fine. That's all right. All right. What a great invention. Actually, the text message is right here. Uh, this is about that back brace that you were mentioning earlier. Mm. Uh, it's invisible. Because mm-hmm. it goes under your clothes. Uh-huh. It's for, what was that? Um, scoliosis. scoliosis. So it goes yes. underneath your clothes. You can't see it. It is comfortable. It, it has comfortable technology. As it, it has, it, you can, it links to your phone. Your doctor can see what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So let's see here. We have this one says. Uh, in relation to the, what a great invention, good on her, amazing what you can do with new eyes of an old product. Mm. There'll be a lot of happy people who suffer from scoliosis out yeah. there. And then the 3D printed houses, this was like a major three bedroom, two bathroom place, mm. not just a little box. A phone. box, yeah. Okay, 3D printing house, three, 3D printing to build a house, three weeks is still better than the nine months, plus we had to wait before we could move into our new house. Amazing technology. Mm. Makes you wonder what's next. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, I absolutely. I mean, that's one of the big things. You go and buy a piece of dirt, that's great, but the time span between you actually when you actually get the dirt and when you move in is going to be significant, and that whole time you're going to be paying rent or losing rent or, you know, couch La- surfing. Like, Lyle, you're building a house right now, well, renovating. Renovating. And it's been quite a process. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But Next yeah. time I will build because renovating is too slow. That's right. <laughs> All right. Modern slavery in Australia, cashless, cashless cash card. While the idea is good, as you mentioned, the government's priorities are more interested in tax returns than really helping that population. This is mm. so true. They never seem to listen to those who know. I am all in for prohibition, but we both know it won't happen. Satan's plan is working. That is the self-destruction of humanity with a steady supply of alcohol, drugs, and everything else to accomplish the job. And then finally, this one's... Oh, not finally. um, Finally, in this text stream, it says, We all have an addiction. I am addicted to God's love. Indeed. Amen. I will die without it. No temperance needed. I'll accept all I can get. (laughs) <laughs> I like that. I'm going to have to run that one past Jennifer and see what she has to say about that. I think that's a uh, a great text message right there. Mm. Okay, let's see. I've got another text stream here. Uh, 
Janelle says, Satan is sure having his way through some of our politicians. This is terrible and tragic. That's in relationship to the scrapping of the cashless card for welfare payments. Mm. And then Braden says, I loved Jennifer Skew's interview. I used to be heavily addicted to scrolling uh, through aimlessly on my phone and I was able to break this addiction years ago but have seen it reemerge after going through some hard times this year. Mm. It was good to be reminded who has control to stop it. It is God. I have been trying the past few months to do it by myself. Mm. Yeah, good reminder right there. Uh, Braden, and no, you won't do it by yourself. And the easiest way I found to stop scrolling on my phone is to get rid of social media off my phone. Mm. It's not a it's not a cure all because I still have it on my laptop, mm. but it certainly has made a massive difference. And so when I go on my phone and you know I'm got some time to to kill somewhere or other, and you know you pull your phone out as you do, the most interesting thing I can find there is Wikipedia. The weather. The weather. <laughs> And, you know, I don't mind scrolling through Wikipedia because I'll find something to educate myself with, usually something historical. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, so this one comes from Raphael K. It says, Blessings come in different ways. Faith FM is a blessing to many lives. Thank you so much for the Bible I received oh. yesterday. God bless you all for the work you do for his kingdom. And he's the prize winner from a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. Mm. And Sky says, in relationship to question of the day, challenge accepted. Yes. Yes. That's what we like to hear. That's right. Send us questions, please. Yes, Amazing. indeed. Okay. So those were, those are the text messages. That's what you had to say about today's program. We are going to read from Ezekiel 28. Oh, nice. Ezekiel 28. This is just all the classic verses. It is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. We're going to start in verse 12. Ezekiel 28 and verse 12, as I am just not scrolling, but turning there in. So this, yeah, this is the kind of scrolling you can do. Buy yourself yeah. a Bible in the form of a scroll and then scroll to your heart's content. <laughs> scroll or just, just jump down. onto your Bible app and scroll there. Mm. That's right. Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 12, the Bible says, wait, hold on. Yeah, is, Ezekiel 28, verse 12. Is verse 12 missing from my book? Oh, here it is. Son of man, sing this funeral song for the king of Tyre. Give him this message from the sovereign Lord. You are the model of perfection, full of wisdom and excuse. You were, sorry, the model of perfection. Say, what's up with your translation? Full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. Okay, here we go. God's got some kind of nice things to say about the king of Tyre here. Yeah. The model of perfection, exquisite, exquisite in beauty. In beauty, I think there's somebody up in Phoenicia, some Lebanese guy, who's pretty pleased to hear this. Yeah, he's like, I'm the man. Yeah, yeah. This kind of reminds me. I uh, as I as I mentioned on the show on Monday, I was at my dad's wedding on the weekend, yes. and I took the best man speech. And obviously, yes. in the best man speech, you can have a play around and say some funny things, but then mostly you say nice things. And when I got back to my table, I was sitting with my family. They were like, "Oh man, we're gonna need to buy a bigger hat for dad. Like his head's <laughs> so big now." Because <laughs> I got up and said some really nice things about him. Absolutely, and, and it's like the king of Ty here is being. So like by God, like man, this guy is the seal of perfection. Like he is exquisite in beauty. He is amazing. Okay, so if you were the king of Tyre, uh-huh. if you were you know Lebanese guy up there in Phoenicia, uh-huh. 
and you were reading verse 12 uh-huh. by itself. Uh-huh, sure. How would you be feeling right now? Oh, like a boss. Would there be a temptation to pride? Mm. Mm-hmm. Would that temptation exist? Yeah, sure. Could you fall into that temptation? Yeah. I'm pretty confident I would mm. because I'm a human. I'm a broken human being with a sinful nature. But let's say that you have a you don't have a sinful nature, you have a sinless nature. Mm-hmm. Is it still possible if you are exquisite in beauty and uh, recognised by everybody as such, let's say you have a sinless nature, let's say you're an angel in heaven, mm. could you fall into the temptation of pride? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Because sin started from sinless people. That's right. Mm. Started with pride. Let's keep reading. Uh, Next verse. It says, You were in Eden, the garden of God. Your clothing was adorned with every precious stone, the red carnelian, pale green peridot, white moonstone, (laughs) blue-green beryl, onyx, green jasper, blue lapis lazuli, turquoise, and emerald, all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day that you were created. All right. If I was the king of Tyre at this particular point, I would be like, wait, what? Yeah. I've never been to Eden. I've never been to the Garden of God. I never lived before the flood. What's this all about? I don't suddenly own all of these stones. I have never owned a garment that has all of these stones on them. This is random. Yes. Mm. And it's it's like, okay, so I was really, really pleased with verse 12, but verse 13 just has me confused. Because <laughs> now maybe, is there another king of Tyre? <laughs> oh, that's, you know, he's starting to get self-conscious. He's like, yes. Oh, is there someone about to Who's better than surpass me? me? Yeah. Yeah, well, we're going to talk more about this in just a very short moment. You're listening to The Breakfast Show. Contact us on 0491-064-669. All right, so let's have a look here. Uh, where are we up to? We're up to verse 13 where the Bible says you were in Eden, mm-hmm. the Garden of God. Mm-hmm. King of Tyre's never been to Eden. Mm-hmm. Every precious stone was your covering, and it lists them all there right there. And maybe he had some of those, but probably not all of them. Mm. And then mine says, the workmanship of your tablets and of your pipes was prepared in you from the day that you were created. What do your translations say about that? Mine says, you're all beautifully crafted for you and set in the finest gold. They were given to you on the day that you were created. Is that about the stones or is that about the tablets and pipes? Uh, it's just about his whole adornment. It yeah. was all made for him the day he was created. See, what I find interesting about this is uh, when you read it in the King James Version, the King of Tyre has... Physically got, he is physically a musical instrument mm. with tablets and pipes. Mm. So at the very least, you've got a an allusion to the fact that the guy can really sing. Mm-hmm. That's at the very least. But possibly this is a different being altogether other than yeah. a human being. That's right. And that's what it seems to be because, all right, how do you write in Ezekiel's day, 500 BC, mm-hmm. about a person who is a king in Tyre, just to the north of Israel, mm-hmm. who also spent time in Eden? 
like which is a place where only two humans have ever been. Have, uh, two only two humans have ever been, and that's going back now to six thousand BC. Mm. So if I was the king of Tyre at this particular point, I would probably get a little bit um, disappointed. Mm. It's like, oh, okay, in writing some nice things about me, I might get a little bit paranoid because maybe there's somebody better than me. As it turns out, uh, this person is not better than him. This person is worse than him. So he should probably take a little bit of comfort from that. But as we move on and we read about somebody who is worse from him, uh, what you're going to find out is what God is actually doing here is like, okay, you want to know what this worst person is like? Ah, well, because we can't see them right now, how will I describe them? Oh, they're like the king of Tyre. Mm. At which point, if I was the king of Tyre, I'd be pretty sad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're Satan. Yeah, well. Heavy stuff right here. Okay, so what God is doing is that God is talking about Satan because was Satan in Eden? Yes. Absolutely. Uh, was Satan beautifully adorned? He most yes. certainly was. And I feel like the next verse, verse 14, just clearly lays it out that he's talking about Satan. Sure. It just So it says here in verse 14, I ordained and anointed you as the mighty angelic guardian. You have had access to the holy mountain of God and walked among the fiery stones. Now, that is definitely not the king of Tyre. Uh, and no, I don't think any human on earth, maybe other than Jesus Christ, can call themselves an angelic guardian. So clearly this is talking about someone else. But, we, you know, you just have to think, okay, because it's about to turn a corner here uh, about this person and it talks about how bad they are. And it's like, oh, which, you know... Non-human angelic guardian was once good and following God, but is now bad. And you know the ultimate answer, the clear answer is, oh, this is talking about Satan. It's yeah. using the King of Tyre as an illustration to give us some insight into what Satan is like. But yeah, this is talking about Satan. Very, very clearly talking about Satan. Okay, mm-hmm. so if you're the King of Tyre, um, you've now been identified as Satan. And this is something that God does from time to time. He does it in Isaiah, mm. where he's like, oh, if you want to know what Satan's like, what's Satan like? Let me see. Let me give you an illustration. Oh, I, yeah, the King of Babylon. Mm. Satan's just like that. Mm-hmm. And what God is doing is that he is pointing out individuals who live on this earth who have fully dedicated their lives to the service of Satan and using that as a way of illustrating to us the character of Satan. Mm. So these are the king of Tyre and the king of Babylon, two different eras right here, separated by, what, 100, 150 years thereabouts? Mm. Um, so two, two different individuals, but very, very clearly these were some bad dudes. Mm. They were seriously bad people. And so God uses them as a type, as a symbol of Satan. Mm. Okay, so verse 14, uh, let's read that. Did we read the verse 14 yet? Let's read verse, oh, I just read verse 14. We can read verse yep. 15. Let's read verse 15. You were blameless in all you did from the day you were created until the day that iniquity was found in you. Okay, so now we know, you know, uh, verse 14, you know, you're the anointed cherub. Mm-hmm. King of Tyre was never an angel. Uh-huh. Uh, so we know we're talking about Satan. Mm. But we've also got this in verse 15 where you were perfect in your ways from the day that you were created. Okay, wait, 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 wait. How is it possible that Satan was created perfect? Because he was created as a perfect angel. Yeah, but if he was created perfect, why did he sin? Uh, How could he sin? Because, because Lyle... He was perfect. Because um, God forced him to sin to prove that he was good. <laughs> no, that was a joke. That was, guys, that was... You Calvinist. That was a... F- 
I, I do not believe the statement that I just said. I was just, <laughs> Heresy. I was, I was just making Heresy. a joke. Heresy. No, well, how did Satan sin? This is something we've talked about plenty on The Breakfast Show. But essentially, Satan being a being who lives in the universe, who has access to the love of God, who has the ability to reciprocate the love of God, just like Adam and Eve and just like everyone else who's ever lived, has the ability to choose. Yes. And to choose against perfection. Yes. To choose against righteousness. Okay, if Satan had been created without the ability to choose, would the Bible have been able to say you were perfect in your ways? Without the ability to choose? Yeah, if he didn't have the ability to choose, would no, he be perfect? No, right? Because he would, he would always be destined. Like he would, in fact, he'd be created imperfectly, and that's what led to this great evil iniquity that took place. Um, but the reason the Bible can say he was created perfect is because he was, and he made a choice to be imperfect. Yes. that Like, yeah, it was his choices that informed his state. Okay, so if, if, if Satan, if it was impossible, the, the reason that Satan sinned, mm-hmm. the reason, now let me restate that, the reason that Satan could sin mm-hmm. was because he was perfect. Yeah. Oh, that's if he could not sin. Yeah. I was just going to say that's such a good point, Lark. Continue. So the reason that Satan could sin was because he was perfect. If he could not sin, he would be imperfect because he would be a robot and impossible. It would be impossible for him to experience or mm. express love. Yes. There would be no love. I love that. I love it because it's it's interesting when you talk to people with a Calvinist perspective and they talk about how like, oh, you know, God is sovereign. We don't have freedom of choice and, and salvation isn't by choice. Like God chooses us and and we have no say in the matter. We're just saved. And, and those who are, who are saved, they'll want to be saved because God has made them saved. Um, but r- salvation and righteousness and being saved from sin actually enables freedom of choice. Yes. When you are not saved, when you are not following God, you don't have choice. And why is that? Because you are living with a will that is bent towards sin. You can only choose sin. You, and that's why it's sl- slavery to sin. You don't have choice. God has offered us salvation. He's offered us perfection. And through that perfection, he reinstates, he re-enables in us choice. Just like Satan had in the beginning. Just like Adam and Eve had in the beginning. They made their decision to sin based wholly and solely on their choice. And that's why they were perfect. Mm -hmm. Because they had the ability to choose. We are imperfect because we don't have the ability to choose. But God reaches out to us. He offers us salvation. You know, and we can make a choice to choose salvation uh, because of his offering towards us. And then the end result of which will be a restoration back to perfection where we will be able to choose him for the rest of eternity. Yeah, absolutely. That's just great summary right there. Mm. All right. Where do we go to? Verse 15. You were perfect in your days from the day that you were created until iniquity was found in you. So where did this sin come from? Within himself, it says. Yes. Iniquity was found in you. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's, you know, what was, what, was, what was the sin that Satan was experiencing at this time? Um, the sin that Satan was experiencing was ultimately. Or committing, I should say. Committing. Committing was ultimately, as we said before, pride. Pride. 
Yeah, if you couple this with what the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 14 about Satan, it says... And we're doing all the classic verses this week, so we're probably hitting... Have we hit Isaiah 14 yet, or are we going I, to? I, did we say it yesterday? Okay. I, I think we, we did either. We've either done it already, or we probably will. Yeah, we will. But essentially, we see here that, uh, yeah, it was pride that led him to this sin. It was his want to be in the state that God occupied. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. This morning, you're the double L team, Lyle and Lawson. Let's have the next question for our quiz. <laughs> okay, uh, the next question for the quiz. Uh, number. F- Sorry, I'm just laughing at Lyle. He's got his head headset on all backwards, upside down, back to front. Daniel learned Israel would spend 70 years in captivity by reading the writings of A, Moses, B, Jeremiah, C, Ezekiel, or D, Obadiah. 0491-064-669 is the number to call or text. If you know the answer, you'll go into the draw to win the keywords of the Christian faith. I have a future. And he comes by Reinder Bruinsma. But again, that question was, Daniel learned Israel would spend 70 years in captivity by reading the writings of A, Moses, B, Jeremiah, C, Ezekiel, or D, Obadiah. 0491-064-669. Six six nine. Okay, so we've got a couple more verses here that we're going to cover. One of them that we actually read yesterday mm-hmm. uh, when we get down to verse 18, and but we need to talk about these because we're talking about Satan, we're talking about Lucifer, we're talking about his origin. Okay, so he decides to sin in heaven, he decides to rebel in heaven, and the Bible says the wages of sin is death. Sure. Okay, so uh, somebody down the street thinks that they're pretty good mm. to have a bit of pride going on. Mm-hmm. And they like to show off. Mm-hmm. So they drive a flashy car and have some fancy jewellery and uh, a fancy house. Yeah. Uh, you going to go and kill them for that? Uh, no. No, that's good. I'm glad to hear. Glad yeah. to hear. Good to hear. All right. <laughs> so you're not going to go and kill them for that. Satan comes along and Satan's like, I'm pretty good. Mm-hmm. He becomes full of pride. Mm-hmm. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, and so God says you have to die. Mm. What's going on here? Mm. Well, we know Satan's, like, not dead right now. That's right, but he will. He will be. We could, we could read the rest of these verses. He will be. Yeah, that's right. But in, it's... Fact, in fact, let's read, let's read verse 18. Yeah. Where it, oh, let me read it. It says, You have defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your traffic. Therefore, I will bring forth a fire from the middle of you. It will devour you, and I will bring you to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all those that behold you. Mm. But is this just because he thinks he's really cool? That's the question. Well, I think, you know, it's interesting. It's if- pretty, pretty hectic when God says, You've got a bit of pride, so I'm going to turn you to ash. This is the thing, though. Yes. If you read the Ten Commandments, is pride a sin in the Ten Commandments? Is it explicitly stated within the uh, Ten Commandments, thou shalt not have pride? It's definitely implied. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying, is it explicitly said? I would say this. The Bible says, thou shalt have no other gods before me, and Uh pride creates... Yeah. Yourself as a God. Essentially, what pride does is that it enables sin. It enables sin to take place in its various different forms. You you mentioned uh, 
not having other gods before God. But you could look at the rest of the Ten Commandments, breaking the Sabbath, murdering, stealing, lying, all of these things. All of these sins come from a place of pride. And I've it's interesting because I've heard people say to me before, like, I actually had someone say to me, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I, I struggle with sin, da, 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 but like, and I remember just, we we're just talking it through and we were both kind of sharing about our lives. And I said, oh yeah, you know, I think it's pride that, that leads us to sin and uh, very much sharing what I'm sharing this morning. And they say, oh, but I'm not a proud person. I'm not a proud person. Like I don't see because of that. And, and the, but the reality is no, it's, it's, it's because of your pride. Just think about it, right? The only reason that we sin is because we want to diso- do something that's disobeying God for our own personal benefit. That is 101 ground zero. That is what pride is. Yes. Serving self. That's right. And all sin is serving self. Yes. And so the outcome of pride ultimately is breaking one of the Ten Commandments or any other sin because it's it's serving self, which that's is... Right fully led by pride. And that's what's taken place with Satan here. Is Satan being killed because he thinks he's pretty cool? No, well, it's because of what he, he let it led him to, which is what the very next verse is about in verse 17. Okay, let's read and it. It continues on. It says, Your heart was filled with pride because of your beauty. Uh, your wisdom was corrupted by your splendor. So I threw you from... It's through to the ground, expose you to the curious gaze of kings. Actually, no, sorry, verse 16. Uh, I wanted to read verse 16, which is, Your rich commerce led you to violence and you sinned, so I banished you in disgrace from the mountain of God. I expelled you, O mighty guardian, from your place among the stones of fire. But I, I, I want to take particular focus on this first line here. Your rich commerce led you to violence. Your trading led you to violence. In some translations, it'll say, yeah, your, your, your trading led you to murder. Ultimately, Satan has become a liar, murderer, like a, a, a bona fide breaker of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> Clearly. So then, sin we could we could um, we could say that sin is like cancer. Mm. Cancer goes through various stages. Mm-hmm. If you catch cancer in its first stage, I mean, some cancers are not treatable, but let's say that it's a treatable cancer. Mm-hmm. Catch it in its first stage, you can treat it. That's right, and problem is solved. Mm-hmm. But it's still cancer. If you get that cancer in its first stage and it's like, oh, there's cancer there, that's interesting, and you do nothing about it, what happens? Then it, well, then it goes to stage two. Yeah. Then it goes to stage three. Then it goes to you know the, through the various stages of cancer until it metastasizes. It goes through the whole body. It riddles the entire human being from top to bottom, from head to foot, and the person dies. Mm. It's a terminal disease if left untreated. And I think this is what is illustrate, being illustrated here is because God is saying, well, the illustration that I see is that, that sin is like cancer and, okay, sin comes along. It's the first time it's ever happened. Lucifer has it. He is thinking pridefully about himself. And at this particular point, can it be cured? Yes, because forgiveness is available. Mm. But can sin reach a point where it cannot be cured? Mm-hmm. Absolutely it can. And forgiveness is available to you and I. But can it reach a point for you and I where it cannot be forgiven? Yes, the Bible speaks about the unpardonable sin. Has it reached that point for Satan? Oh, absolutely, in a very mm. long time ago mm. that he went past any opportunity for ever being uh, forgiven for sin. Mm. And that's because God, that's not because God won't extend forgiveness. 
Because Satan won't reach out. Satan will never accept forgiveness. Satan will never change. But then it's like, oh, what are you saying? We change through our own power? It's like, no, we change through the power of God. God extends to us the grace that we need so that we can have the power to choose God's grace yes. that will be forgiveness, that That's will provide right. us with forgiveness. Which will then be supplemented by his power to to change us, to sanctify us. S- Satan will never, in- and again, sin when it goes too far, as we're talking about, people forego their opportunity to be changed to the point where they won't accept change. Yeah, They won't want to follow God. That's Absolutely. the situation that they're in. Yes. Mm. All right. Actually, kind of reminds me of the verse. Yeah. It says uh, in James chapter 1, you know, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Mm-hmm. We see in that verse, like, That's it, the right stages. There. That's it. That's it. That's the stages. Those Starts the stages. with desire, mm-hmm. it leads to sin, and when sin is full grown, it leads to death. Yes. Mm. Okay, so this is interesting when we look at the story of Satan. Uh, forgiveness is obviously is available to everyone. At one point it was available to Satan. At one point it was available to his angels. But at one point it became so ingrained and he reached the point where it was never going to uh, be resolved. He was it reached the, gone past the point of no return and so he was thrown out of heaven. Mm. And the Bible speaks about that in Revelation chapter 12. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. It has come to that time of the day when we need to have some answers for our quiz and we need to have a question of the day. Answers for the quiz in the parable of the one lost sheep. The other 99 sheep were in the shepherd's, the sheep fold. They're in the fold. It is grass that, according to Jesus, is here today, but tomorrow thrown into the oven. The four living creatures gives, they give the seven angels uh, seven bowls slash vials, depending on your translation, um, when they're filled with the wrath of God. Who did Melchizedek, sorry, who did Abraham give tithes to? That was Melchizedek. And finally, Daniel learned Israel would spend 70 years in captivity by reading the writings of Jeremiah. 0491-064-669 is our number. If you just want to talk to us, if you want to send us anything, please send it through. Question of the day. This one comes in from Paula again. She asked a question yesterday. Yes. And this is a follow-up to what she asks. She says, Why is Satan and the people bound for a thousand years? When does that 1,000 years start? Are we going to have to endure Satan's influence while he is bound and chained? Or do sinners get another thousand years to repent? Okay, so there's a, there's a 45-minute um, answer coming up right now that we're going to cover in three minutes. So what we're going to do is... I might even break this down into a couple of different questions Mm. and cover it in stages. And Paula, as I go through this, just want to say, if I am creating more questions as I go along, just send those questions through. Mm. So I'll answer one bit at a time. But if you're getting more questions, obviously you had more questions after yesterday's answer and you sent this one through. So that's good. That's what we like to see. Keep sending them through. Okay. Why is Satan and the people bound for a thousand years? So what we're going to look for first is what is the purpose for binding Satan? So we're going to go to Revelation chapter 20. Now, Revelation chapter 20 is the only place in the Bible that mentions the 1,000 years. So Mm. any Bible study 
on the subject of the millennium or the thousand years has to be centred on Revelation 20. That has to be the foundation. That has to form the skeleton for what you are going to study about. If you start it anywhere else, you're starting in the wrong place. Okay, the Bible says in Revelation 20 verse 1, I saw another angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. He laid hold on the dragon, the old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years and threw him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him. Here comes the purpose. That he should deceive the nations no more. Mm. So the purpose for binding Satan is so that there is a thousand years in which the universe is free, and humans in particular, because This earth is the only place that Satan has access to, is free from deception. Mm. Okay, so the question that then arises is, okay, what is going to take place during that time? What is the purpose for Satan being bound for a thousand years and what will people be doing during this particular time period right here? Okay, to answer that question, because it kind of goes on, you know, do do sinners get another chance, you know, this kind of thing? The answer is no. And the reason that the answer is no is that there are no sinners alive at this time. And to understand that, what we have to do is to go back to the beginning of the prophecy. So if we go back to the beginning of the prophecy, you'll find it in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. This is where the prophecy actually begins, the prophecy of the millennium. I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat on him called faithful and true in righteousness, he judges and makes war. Who's that? Verse 13. He was clothed with a clothing dipped in blood. His name is called the Word of God. Mm. Who's that? Jesus. Okay, what's he doing? The armies which were in heaven followed him. Where is he going? Verse 19, I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that was sitting on the horse. This is the second coming. This is a symbolic depiction of the second coming. The Bible says in verse 20, the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him which deceived those which had received the mark of the beast and those that worshipped the image. These were both cast alive into the lake of fire and the remnant, those that were left, were killed with the sword of him that sat on the horse which proceeds out of his mouth and all the birds were filled with their flesh and I saw an angel coming down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Okay, there is no opportunity during this time period for sinners to repent Mm. because there are no sinners that are alive. Mm. They're all dead. And we find this repeatedly throughout the Bible in that wherever you look in the Bible, the wicked are destroyed when Jesus comes back. Mm. So, for instance, you could go back to... Peter, let's go back to Second Peter, Second Peter chapter 3, where the Bible says, verse 10, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Mm. No sinners are going to survive that. The Bible says that when Jesus returns, the earth is burned. If you go back to Second Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, you can find the same thing over here. The Bible says in verse 7, And to you who are troubled, rest with us. When the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of his power. The wicked are destroyed when Jesus comes back. We could look at verse after verse after verse on this particular subject. Go to Revelation chapter 1. Behold, he comes with clouds. Every eye will see him. Those also 
that pierced him shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. Why do they wail? They wail because it's over for them. They are about Mm. to be destroyed. There will be no wicked people alive after Jesus comes back. There will only be righteous people alive. Mm. And so we need to dig a little bit deeper. Obviously, Satan is not allowed to tempt the righteous during that thousand years. But then what's that all about? That's going to be a question for tomorrow because we are out of time. We're going to continue this question. So, Paula, keep sending your questions through. This is going to be a great Bible study that we're going to do over the next day or two. And that brings us to the end of our show. Of course, don't forget to stay tuned because coming up immediately after the breakfast show is Tazzy Encounters. You're going to be on with Jason Cook and Daniel Mateo with Facets of Faith, continuing the conversation about the great controversy this morning. All right, we've got one final text message just came through here. What do you think the news headlines will be the day after Jesus' second coming when non-believers see the dead rising from their graves? I wonder what they put it down to. That's from David, and I have a um, I have a Bible verse for you, David, that I'd love to get your reaction to. That is 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 10. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that particular passage of Scripture. Fantastic stuff. All right, we are about to finish the show this morning, and so we always like to remind you at the end of the show to talk faith, to live faith, to act faith, and you will grow strong in Jesus Christ. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.